welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Sunshine, racing's back. Sunshine on my bleeping soldier strollers. John, no freaking Denver. No <laughs> Dang it, darn it. Be nice. Shut the front door. <laughs> anyway, hello and welcome back to the Making Laps podcast. My name is Brent Gleason. Sitting alongside me as co-host is my brother Jesse Gleason. If anybody's been wondering where Phil is, he's been doing music stuff, so we've just kind of been leaving him alone. And uh, if he interrupts the show by Facebook messaging me, we leave it in to shame him. They think I'm Mexican. If anybody hasn't guessed, this is the Kindler Gentler show because racing has come back to Connecticut, and it's about damn time. So Stafford came back last Friday. Uh, We got other news to talk about, so... Um, like local news, actually, for once, uh, the NASCAR race this weekend at Pocono, actually all four of them were entertaining, but they were real shit shows. Oh, beep it out. I broke it. See, we've already, we've already (sighs) lost. Okay. Why don't we just be ourselves instead of what? I tried uh, so long to make this a professional show and not swear and stuff. And then I'm just like, I don't feel like working this hard to cut stuff out. So anyway, um, there was a large amount of accidents this weekend at, Pocono with guys wrecking things, trucks, Xfinity cars, Cup Series were there twice. I mean, record amounts of cautions and I think three races. It was an unbelievable show. But uh, So for the show this week, uh, for lap one, we'll do uh, all the Stafford news that we could come up with from this weekend. Uh, plus, that will incorporate one of my trademark rants. Lap two, we're going to touch on some local racing rumors and news that broke literally hours before we uh, recorded the show. And Lab 3 will cover the weekend Pocono shit show. Uh, but to start, uh, it's actually kind of old news at this point, but I know we'll probably have to touch on what we talked about last week with the Bubba Wallace and Noose incident at uh, Talladega. And I know all sorts of opinions fly about this sort of topic and, and theories and, and all these other explanations. But uh, the only logical explanation that can really be taken from it is the evidence and the proof. And the fact of the matter is, yes, there was a noose there. No, it wasn't a hate crime. Somebody did it. The last race at Talladega last fall, they probably were bored. They probably had some kind of break in time. They probably just did it as a goof. Nobody fixed it. Nobody did anything to it. Nobody probably saw it until they came back. And then a crew member who obviously is on a team that's getting a lot of threats and death threats and anger thrown their way sees it. And they're like, okay, well, I got to report it because I got to do this. NASCAR's like, okay, we'll treat it as serious. They took all the steps that they had to take and got everybody involved from law enforcement and FBI. And it kind of snowballed. They figured out what it really was. That was it. That's the game. That's it. Fuck you. Well, no, it's literally the truth. Like, NASCAR didn't go overboard. They did exactly what they were supposed to do in this type of situation. They didn't know what it was. They investigated it. They got the answer. It was a noose. It wasn't a hate crime. That's it. It's used to pull the garage door down. A lot of garages have those. No one thinks about it that way. It's just as a utilitarian device. Um. Did you actually see the picture that was released by NASCAR that they got back from evidence? Yeah, I did. It was a noose. Yeah, so? Well, that's uh, that's exactly what it was. They weren't lying. Yeah. It was a noose. No, it wasn't a hate crime. Like I said, somebody probably tied it as a goof, not as a hate thing. Back in October or whatever, like I said, the last Talladega race, nobody caught onto it. Nobody fixed it. And it just kind of snowballed. That's all. Just being overly cautious and that's it. So why do you think it was that way? Do you think it was utilitarian or do you think it was it was meant with malicious uh neither attempt attempt neither. What do you mean <laughs> neither? 
What do, you, what do you mean by was it malicious or was it utilitarian? Utilitarian means... I know what utilitarian means. To pull down the fucking door. Sorry. What other piece of rope <laughs> is hanging around in the garage area? Uh, like I, I said, somebody was bored and they tied that. That was it. That's all it is. How do you know they were bored? Because what? how much time do you have to take to, to think, I need something to do. Instead of flipping through my phone, I'll just tie this. Well, if they're just an expert knot tire and that's what they do. Maybe they're woodsmen. Maybe it was Ward Burton. Well, they're not allowed to play on their phones while they're working an event. So they're like, well, I'm bored. I'm going to you know, occupy Ward my Burton's time by something woodsman. else. He's, that's probably a snare. <laughs> so they, they probably hey, do have a lot of rodents in there. <laughs> they probably have a lot of rodents around there. I mean, hell, did you see the fox running around at Pocono? They Every have week, sort of, there's an animal running around also, on the speedway. They, it's a freaking zoo. They had, they had a freaking like groundhog running around on the front stretch at the Arca race. Fox, rabbits, <laughs> it's at Pocono, groundhogs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pocono is like animal central. There's always there's animals around deer. on the track. Yeah, there, yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't deer or a freaking bear come out well, and just eat somebody. They did put a big catch fence up all the way around the racetrack now, so now big animals can't dive in. Yeah, they got to like come a, through the tunnel, like a but deer they still fence. can come through the tunnel if they're curious. So, I mean, it is what it is. So Yeah. Again, Bubble Wallace situation cleared up. It is what everybody said it was except for the hate crime part. That's literally what happened. Now we can move on. Can we? Can we move on? Well, yeah, everybody already has. I, Are you sure they've moved on? Uh, only the people who want to bring it up haven't moved on. Because I still think it's—I <laughs> still think it's kind of a thing. Well, no, it's not. It's there was a clarification issued, and that was it. That's the end. It's mm-hmm. literally it. That's that's all you're ever going to hear. I mean, they've already get investigated. They got the investigation completed. They figured out what it was, and that's it. They issued a clarification, said, okay, we're done. Yeah, but I think we're still going to see ads about togetherness, and we're you all were before that, to, though. You know. Were you seeing it before that, though? Yeah. Well, where'd you, where'd you expect it to end? It's not going to end it's because n- of that, and it's not going to end, you know, without that either. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to end. Well, no, not until NASCAR gets togetherness. What do you mean until NASCAR gets togetherness? Well, their They've idea of it. have been together. Why does it need to end? We don't need togetherness. <laughs> well, doodly do. <laughs> no, no, they, they've got an idea, and they're sticking with it, and it's not going to change the product on the track. You just have to. If you don't it's, like it, just don't listen. Here's here's when it's going to end. Is when is when they want to get rid of NASCAR, and that's the end of it. Nobody's that's getting what, rid of NASCAR. Stop thinking too deep into do. it. I want I'm, my tinfoil hats on. It's not it's a over. globalist conspiracy to ruin NASCAR. They're just saying, hey, if you want to come to the track, come to the track. I mean, I've listened to a lot of people talk about their stories of being fans and walking through the infield and having racist remarks thrown their way. So you know what? I'll listen to them. For, okay, that's fine. That's not NASCAR doing that. NASCAR is saying, no, that's not our stance. That's all they're doing. This isn't this isn't a, a globalist plot to ruin NASCAR. It's just NASCAR saying, we just want everybody to feel welcome when they come here. Finally. Everybody was welcome. Not from the fans' perspective. Why? What do you mean fans? You speak for all fans? I, I've read a lot of articles, and I've listened to a lot of what black people have said when they walk into those gates. It's not NASCAR throwing this shit at them. So we're going to judge all fans by a few bad apples. Who the fuck said that? Well, that's what I... No, you who just, said that? You No, I did not. You just said I, the I fans, clarified, they don't feel welcome. No, I clarified NASCAR's stance. They NASCAR were always stance, welcome. NASCAR's stance is to say, everybody is welcome, please stop doing that. You know what I mean? They're saying, please stop. Like The, the, the people who are making it not fun for others, can you stop and make it fun for others? That's literally the intent of this. That's it. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's not some, there isn't some giant generalization here. It's not calling everybody a racist. It's not calling everybody something else. That's it. That's all it is. Who told you you can eat my cookies? <laughs> I don't have any. I wish I had some. I want to eat cookies. Chewy chips, ahoy. Can we all just get along? I mean, this is bullshit. That's what, that's what NASCAR wants. <clears throat> anyway. So. That cleared up. Holy um, shit! <laughs> we did not do well with with 
making the show. We, we can't stop we swearing. Can't, okay, we can't stop it. Your anymore. Honor, I wish I had. I wish I had a. Uh, I need a. I need a Trailer Park Boys soundboard because I would be playing right now. Your Honor, I can't stop swearing right now. Okay, because that's literally how I fucking talk. Okay, that's Ricky right there. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, hey, anybody who doesn't like it, I mean, I do put the little explicit logo up when you listen to it on iTunes or something. So just pay attention. All right. Why don't we just move on into lap number one then? Fuck you. <laughs> Continuing with the kinder and gentler podcast that we were supposed to be doing but have already failed at <laughs> is lap number one. I think I think the soft music is giving me anxiety. And I think it's given everybody <laughs> in the room anxiety and the mood here, frankly, is I don't know. It just a makes tense. me angrier. A little tense. It's a little <laughs> tense and pissy. I think so. Dad just doesn't feel like editing right now. So anyway. Well it ain't fucking time, sweetheart. Yeah. So, anyway, for lap number one this week, Stafford has returned to racing, and we couldn't be happier because, God, how long has it been since we've actually seen a race around here? October? Yeah. At even, least at least October. I mean, it's it's even if it's on... Uh, I, I really like the live... Uh, yeah, the live stream was a... I think it was a big hit. That was great because uh, through the state standards, the tickets you you can get them online only, and they sell out very quickly. So especially at twenty five percent capacity, I mean, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it, and I think it's you know a great way. And we had really a lot of fun watching the race, and and uh, I was... didn't really get to see most of it because the um, because I had to get up to work early in the morning and. Uh, there was a lot of excitement during the race, but I, from what I've heard and what I saw, the street stock stole the show. Yeah, I have a few critiques of that show. Um, I think we'll start at the top. We'll start at the live stream. Uh, 20 bucks for the live stream, which was the same as a ticket to get into the front gate, I believe. Uh, I know they yeah. do. I know it's more expensive than it usually is per year, but I know that they're at a very limited capacity and they really got to meet a lot of uh, overhead and stuff. So, yeah, they got to bump it up a hair. But for the amount of cars you got for per um, per division, yeah, I mean that was it was nice to see. I mean we're not sitting there watching five division or five car shows out there. You know it was it was actually genuine racing, which was nice to see. Yeah, every division had about uh, over twenty five cars, except for the limited late miles, but which I'll get into in later. A so uh, as it comes to the live stream, I got a few positives for you. When we got to when we first fired it up, we were at a place that didn't have really good internet. Like, we had Stone Age internet. My house. Yes. Because I have a 3,000-foot driveway, and and it costs about $6,000 to put in some good internet. So, no, i got to literally dial it up on the internet. Ding! Yeah, he's yeah, got to have... He's got, like, DSL dial-up or whatever the hell it is from, from the Stone Age that goes through a telephone line. Yes, which, I would like to have a refund. Which really sucks for him. So... We bailed out of there and came here to my house, and I have really awesome internet, so we were able to watch it. And yeah, unlike some other places that I've watched uh, streaming racing from, especially Speed 51 and stuff, there was no drops, and I didn't get really... I didn't even have a buffering issue. I mean, I don't remember there being anything even fuzzing out. Um, so the positives was, yeah, zero drops or failures. There were replays that we could watch which was really nice to see. Uh, that was a nice added feature. Um, that We had local announcers. You know, we didn't have some guy who didn't know who, to, who the hell these drivers were. We had people very familiar. We had Matt Buckler, and we had Ben Dodge. Um, and, uh, oh, crap, now I forgot his name. John John Gates. I think that's his name, right? Uh, it was... Uh, Dude, I'm so sorry. If it was I, if Nicola, I completely screwed Nicola up Nicola Rose. <laughs> That's no, the only that's one the we need one. to remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the only one Jesse and I want to remember. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's... I didn't mean to do that. Please, continue. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> I thought John was, yeah, you know. No, he did the uh, Victory Lane interviews. So, uh, again, and one more uh, positive. I think I did five each. Uh, was multiple angles at all times, plus multiple angles of replays. So, yeah, it, the coverage was very good for something that I honestly, it it feels like they threw it together like very late, but it didn't get that feel by watching it. You know what I mean? It felt like it was something that had been established for a long time. I don't know. They had all their cameras in position. They had the switchers going off at the correct moment, and everything seemed to go pretty smooth. I don't know. I do have a few critiques, and I'm sure that you have this one. This one came from you. Uh, check the cameras and make sure they're filming in 1080p instead of 1080i. Oh, my God. Ghosting, people. 1080i is for movies, like romantic comedies and, you know, slow with the wind shit. Something that's not an action movie. Something yeah, that's something not fast very movement. pretty landscapes with not a lot of movement. Sports, you got to have progressive. Progressive, yeah. you won't have ghosting. It moves nice and smooth. And we're the guys who filmed the show, which just came out on YouTube, I believe, earlier this year with Vault Productions. So, yeah, we do know a little bit about that. Um, so check that. Make sure that it's set right. Um, there were a couple minor switching issues that really weren't worth worth um, talking about. That's going to just happen over the course of any race. I see it on the cup races, so it's not even really worth mentioning. Um, I have a couple critiques of the race program. Uh, I say I saw a bunch of Concy races. They had like four consolation races. I think overall per, d during the entire show. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's, so they're taking these Concy's and they're, they've got two Concy's and they're taking like four cars out of East Concy. It's like, and, and then they had three heat races each. And it's like, well, why didn't you just take two cars out of each heat race and then take two out of one consolation race instead of dragging the show on and on and on and making it last forever. Well, it's a way to get some time in between the features, get more product, make the product stretch out as opposed to just having like one long intermission. And therefore, people can go buy some burgers and hot dogs and beers and stuff. There's plenty of time to do that in my eyes when there's only 25% crowd in between races. You know, I mean, I don't want to... It actually added an hour to the race program. They didn't get done until after 11-something, like 11.30. Mm. I went to bed at 11.30, and they still weren't done, I'm pretty sure. So it's like, I didn't even watch the end of the SK race because I was just that tired. I'm like, I can't do it. It's like, you, you can't start a show that late. I mean, rolling features out at 8.30 is really not going to be a good night. Um, but once they finally rolled the features out, we were... We were treated to a show, though, let me tell you. Uh, was the street stock feature the first feature on the racetrack? Yeah, that was... A, uh, no, that was limited late models. I can't remember. Hmm. I, I don't know. I think they were the first one out. I couldn't remember the limited late models. I just... I don't know. I, again, this will be discussed in my rant in a couple minutes, but the Stafford street stocks were the show of the night by far. I mean... This is something that we'd predicted leading up to this with all of the extra competitors coming out of other racetracks to run this show. That was amazing. It made me miss being behind the wheel. I wanted to be out there beating fenders with these guys. Like, I wanted to go kick ass. I was ready. You know, it, it was good hard racing for 99% of it. 99% of it was, was really good. When you inject... That much more competition into an already really good division, uh, that's the formula you're going to get. It's going to be a lot harder to pass cars, and therefore the stakes are going to go up. And with the fact that they removed the restrictor plate from the street stock division that they'd run forever to try to peg those cars back because it's a beginner division, giant air quotes, Again, like I said, there is no such thing as a beginner division, but giving them a 100 extra horsepower really livened the show up for sure. And again, the Warriors came out from Thompson and Waterford and really almost, they almost dominated the show, if not for their own overaggression at times. Well, yeah, everybody, <laughs> er, yeah, all the, all the guys there that, that came in there had 
lots of Thompson and lots of Waterford experience. There was They're all badasses at both tracks. There was all of them. There was a lot of feature wins on that racetrack. Yeah. And championships. I mean, I hate it for the guys who got tore up. Um, Al Stone hit the wall hard coming out of four. That was terrible. Uh, Apparently, his throttle stuck. Uh, When he got to the throttle, it basically rotated the car too much. And when he went to pedal it to, you know, keep it in line and get it off the corner, the throttle never came back. And the thing just pounded the wall. Obviously shut off after that, but, or it knocked the throttle loose or something. But yeah, it it hurt that car pretty bad. That was not a good hit. Uh, And I know that Waterman... I don't know if he got hit or he spun out on his own while racing for the lead. I have no idea what happened there. I don't think they had an angle because I never saw a replay on that. I never did either. Um, I noticed that the track was almost looked greasy in spots for some reason, just random spots, or the cars just would snap out from under guys. And I'm, I'm just, it was, it was kind of confusing at times. But um, I don't know if it was really a track problem more than an aggression issue because you can be really aggressive with low banking and make it snap, I guess. But um, it got right down to the end, and uh, Zach Robinson got into the back of outsider Chris Meyer, who was leading all day and got punted in turn, th- uh, turn four, got spun out, spun at 360, got it gathered back up and kept going. He, he kept digging. I think he finished second on his – or no, third, because Hydar got by him when he was spinning. So he came across the line in third, but then they threw out Zach Robinson and – Put him to the back for over aggressive driving, and uh, Meyer finished second. Hydar was awarded the win, uh, which was good. He kept his nose cleanest the most, and he ended up walking away with it. I know uh, Ernie LaRose works on that car, so he's got good help behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, Stay in the bottom, yeah, dude. Paid off. Yeah. Also, um, Zach Robinson. I don't know if you listen to the show. I uh, I like you, kid, but did you have a certain quota for spinning cars out that night or hitting people? I mean, dude, you've won a lot of races. You you've won a title. You gotta race big picture instead of getting into these guys. If you if you're at the end of a race and you're in second, I mean, punting a guy out of the way and then after the race, acting like the guy spun out on purpose after you hit him is really not the right thing to do or think. He probably wouldn't have spun out if you didn't hit him. Maybe not hit him and finish second, take the good points night, and go get them next week. You know, this is big picture stuff. You can't, I mean, you can't incur the wrath of people this early on. I mean, you don't want to, I didn't go there to make friends. Yeah, but did you go there to make enemies too? Because enemies ruin your stuff, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. I didn't go there to make friends. I don't go to make enemies either. So. That gets expensive. Yeah, that gets, trust us, this gets real expensive. Fucked up repugnant shit. But, like, if this is a blanket observation to everybody, but if you can't pass clean, don't try to be Dale Earnhardt and knock someone out of the way because you'll just ruin everybody's night, including your own. And somebody will probably come and get you in the end. Like, somebody will get hot headed and just whack you and destroy your shit. So, calm down. Seriously, we just got back to racing. Stop doing this. You know? So, anyway, um,. It got ugly in the end, but overall, what an exciting race. And that's what the fans come to watch. And I hope that that kind of thing continues, just not with that amount of aggression. I mean, I don't mind a little beating and banging, but I don't, always, I don't want to see cars get wrecked. You know, I don't want to see guys get destroyed because I want you to come back and race more. I want you to put on that show. I don't want you to have a destroyed race car and not come back. Stop that! <laughs> Stop it! Yeah. So. Stop laughing! <laughs> <laughs> can't help it i'm sorry but so as for stafford winners i might as well touch on all of them um i believe you were right i believe the late uh, limited late models i think i just said limited lame models and i think that was a freudian slip that's a um, great freudian, freudian slip <laughs> that was freudian isn't it <laughs> hey i'm owning it i guess right i am evil homer i am evil homer i am evil homer <laughs> so for limited late models, Andrew Durand won. Uh, street Stocks, we touched on that. Travis Hydar came away with the win. Uh, late models, Wayne Corey Jr. I think it's Jr., right? Yeah. Okay, Wayne Corey Jr. won. Uh, I know that race came down to the end. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Um, 
SK Lights, John Puglio won. Uh, I believe it was his first SK Light win at Stafford, and that was in a brand new car. So that was a new Troyer that they got, and he did it on his birthday. So that's a hell of a birthday gift to give yourself. Um, congrats to Ed's kid. And uh, for the SKs, Keith Rocco pulled down the win. So I believe now would be a good time to tie in my rant, if anybody cares. <laughs> Does nobody like my rant? Nobody ever gives me any feedback on this show, which is why. Kill them every- all! <laughs> Kill them! Kill them all! People just—they don't give me any feedback, so they just stop listening. It's like, well, you could tell me what to fix, and I would make the show better instead of just not listening anymore. And uh, whatever. Hang in there, baby. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I know. So for my rant this week, I'm staying on topic with local racing, which is the whole reason I created this show to begin with. No weirdo conspiracy theories. No political discussions. No BS. Stick to the cause we hold dear. Short track racing. It's time for church. Correct. A couple fellow racers and friends of the show reminded me of an ongoing discussion about racing divisions in the area. And I speak mostly of Connecticut. It's no secret that with the COVID pandemic happening all year, seemingly, Racing in the area has been hurting, obviously. Stafford Motor Speedway was the first here in Connecticut to return to racing. There are a large number of local racers who have cars that are legal at the two tracks that are not currently racing, and they can't run anywhere less than two to three hours away at this moment. Keep in mind that anyone with an SK modified, be it regular or a light modified, is pretty much racing at Stafford anyway, save for a few that hold their loyalties to other local tracks. Anyone with an ACT late model can race at any number of northern tracks, given the amount of facilities utilizing their rules. Street stock competitors have the luxury of also being able to race Stafford and other northern tracks with little to no modifications, and also down south if you get a crate, I guess. But what about mini stock competitors who have legal cars at the minimum of two Connecticut tracks but might be outclassed racing up north? Yeah, what about them? Discussions about individual you know? tracks and their experimental divisions have been wide-ranging. To- it does suck for them. Have yeah. been a wide-ranging topic for a long time. Look at what Seekonk is doing with their sport truck division. That's a division where, for all intents and purposes, is only really legal at one track. But somehow Seekonk pulls it off by modifying their rules package to be more affordable and making the division unique. Thompson had experimented with their own bespoke division, at least when it comes to Connecticut tracks, some years ago with their failed Thompson Modified division. This was essentially a pass or IMCA modified chassis with a ZZ4 or 603, whichever one you preferred, crate engine with late model tires and wheels. The division only ever saw at its max like 12 cars, but it never really took hold, only averaging between 6 to 8 a race. I mean, I saw like 4 at some point. Thompson tried it for a while before throwing in the towel and dissolving the division for good. Guys had to sell their cars off as pass mods around uh, around here in the Northeast. I know a couple guys who sold them as IMCA modifieds. Um, But most of them, with the now discontinued 603 crate engines, took those engines and bought or traded for ACT late models. So not all was lost for those few competitors who had to make the change. I, like a lot of other people, have long discussed the same situation with the Stafford Limited Late Model Division. Now, keep in mind that this is not this is not a knock on the drivers, teams, track. Anyone involved in the division, this is just a common-sense approach to a situation that will not only clean up the confusion surrounding the division, but also give an opportunity to allow more com- uh, competitors into the track. Without alienating... Well, maybe without alienating the current racers to a certain extent. I want to give a little background on the division from my perspective, and that might not be the exact history as it's written, so bear with me. Around 2007 or so, would you say 2007? Well, it depends on what you're going to say next, (laughs) because I I don't know what you're going to say. So I'll agree with you. Stafford held an exhibition event featuring the Thompson and Waterford sportsman cars during the fall final, which you participated in. Okay, yeah, that was around 2007, 2008. It might have been 2008. Yeah. So either one of those two years, they wanted to gauge the interest in a division comparable to what was being run at those two tracks. I remember because we took part in the event, which I just said, and we were very unhappy with the handicap procedure that changed the lineup last minute. (laughs) 
Don't remind me. Don't remind us of that. Don't remind Mark Root of that either. He would probably remember. Um, the next season, Stafford debuted the limited late model division, which was really nothing close to what the Thompson and Waterford cars were that they tested. The division as it sits right now has the same basic engine package as the SK Lights, which is different from their street stock division, even though it utilizes the same crate engine, the GM602. The chassis is basically the same as the late model division, but the body isn't. I could not find any rules about the rear suspension setup on a limited late model. Trust me, I looked for a while. I couldn't find a definitive section dedicated to it. If somebody wants to send me that, feel free. This season, the Speedway removed the AVM plate, or restrictor plate to layman's terms, from the street stock division, which I've been advocating for forever. I think a lot of other people have too. Nobody likes restrictor plates. No, they're terrible. Ask, ask Loudon. Um, the street stock division has now risen with that removal to the point where it has essentially made the limited late model completely redundant, more so than I feel they were before. I know Stafford created the limited late models as a stepping stone from street stocks into late models, but I honestly think it was never really necessary. There's always going to be a learning curve with any racing division you get into, but I don't think the Speedway really gives enough credit to the driver's ability. They don't have to create a ladder system so the racers can take baby steps to the top. The racers can learn and grow at their own pace and through patience and practice. Let me get to the heart of the matter. I feel like there's too many divisions available to racers at this time all across the board, regardless of where you race. Racers will participate in divisions where they feel like there is a return on investment, meaning the ability to take their cars and race wherever they choose. Modified racers can run at numerous places through the northeast and down the eastern seaboard. I believe we touched on a little bit of this earlier. Late model competitors at Stafford have a tough time moving away from Stafford with the ACT rules in place by other facilities up north. But since they race NASCAR late model rules, they can take their equipment and run down south if they so choose. SK lights can be run throughout the northeast as sport mods or crate mods. Street stocks can be run at any Connecticut track and numerous tracks through the north or south with crate engines, like I said. But the limited late models, that's a different story. They can't really be run anywhere except for maybe Seekonk or Stafford, but they'd have to change the parts and probably the body to race Seekonk, and I don't think the engine's legal at Seekonk because I think it has to be an untouched 602 if they ran it as a 602 because they could run an open motor there too if they wanted. So, Not that you'd want to run a crate motor at Seekonk. No, I think the open motor's better there. <clears throat> I think it's better at Waterford too. I think it's better everywhere. If you get the rules right. Uh, these races are pretty pigeonholed into racing one track, and the division is fairly redundant, as I mentioned before. Uh, so what's the solution here? In my eyes, it's fairly simple. Dissolve the division. These chassis can easily be converted over to being late models, and the engines can easily be sold off to the excellent SK Light division. With the street stocks being only a half, uh, half a second slower than the limited late models because of a lack of traction from the open rears they're mandated to run, it closes that gap to the late model division and still maintains it as an easier division to start racing in. So what else can the track bring in to really be that beginning stepping stone they love to employ? The mini stocks are that division. There's a strong contingent of mini stock competitors in the state of Connecticut, and most of them have expressed their interest in racing at Stafford. They even held a race at Stafford at one point, and they had a great car count, and not only that, they had an excellent show for the win. The rules are already written, too, and Stafford can mandate their fuel cell policy to this division if they choose. I don't think they'll get much pushback on that. They are already established to race on the track's tire manufacturer of note, which is Hoosier Racing Tires. So no change has to happen there, either. I know one of the concerns Stafford has is the safety of the competitors, which is a very valid concern and one I'm happy a track feels strongly about for once. Stafford, let's be fair, they care about safety. Let me be the first to tell you that the construction of these cars is far more robust than what you may think. I raced a Mini at Thompson for a number of years and not once did I worry about my safety at any point. Were you ever killed at Thompson? Uh, never. No. I think okay. you were a few times. I was killed, but... A, a few times. I got better. Yeah, you got better. Um, But still, the car was great. 
You know, if if you can run Stafford, I mean, if you can run Thompson, you can run Stafford as far as that is concerned. Yeah. These cars have a cockpit roll cage mounted to a piece of 2x3 tubing, also used in the construction of tube chassis frames, or called frame stock, and is welded down the inside of the rocker panel and stitch welded to the floor, incorporating the stamped steel cross members of the cars. So it's strong already. It's not just a cage welded to a floor panel. The front and rear frame sections ahead of and behind the shock and strut towers are all 2x3 tubing as well. And the entire cage is tied into very strong sections of the car. Anything welded to a floor section is welded to a plate, which is welded to the floor on top of a section of the subframe. So these cars are much stronger than you realize. And think about this. These are 2,300-pound cars. I think they're maybe like 2,450 now. I don't know. It's been a while since I ran one. With essentially the same cage structure as a street stock, but they're like 700 pounds lighter. There's a lot less mass to these cars when they get into accidents. And I'll give you a couple examples. Jesse one time was practicing my mini stock at Thompson. I believe it was 2008 at the World Series. He'd practiced my car, came out of turn two, somebody laid down some oil. He spun the car to the inside of the track, no harm, no foul. Another car came out of turn two, not looking or not seeing, and basically hit Jesse almost in the door. It was basically in the left front wheel and door section of the car. Hit him at, like, full chat. Spun the car around in the air, destroyed my car. Jesse unhooked, got out, he was fine. I rebuilt the car. Well... Mostly, well, physically fine. You oh, raced that. Mostly fine. You raced later that day, and I think you won your heat race that day, I too. I did, and I had a concussion, probably. Probably, but I did have. There's nobody home up there, so it don't matter. I did have a very safe seat in the car, not just some flap headrest. So he did have a good seat no, in the car. It was, he, it was just a hard hit. The cage never broke, never distended. It, it, it never was dangerous, like for collapsing. You know, it, it never was. No. I'll give you another example of their safety. I'd say it was about seven years or so ago, but Mike Vaines and Nick Anderson tangled at the end of the front stretch at Thompson. Uh, Mike got hit in the right rear, which spun his car at top speed entering turn one. His left side tires dug in, and the car rolled on its side. It rolled about three quarters of a rotation and slammed the outside concrete wall in turn one, bottom side first. It spun off the wall on its side and proceeded to roll about three more times through turn one, and came to rest back on its wheels. Once the safety team arrived, Mike unbuckled and climbed out, quite angry, but unhurt. The car looked bad, too. Lots of body and suspension damage, but Mike managed to rebuild the same car and had it back just a few races later, and it was still competitive. There was no serious damage done to the main safety structure of the cage. These cars are safe. They're made of the same inch and three-quarter tubing that every other car is made of. And in all my years of racing minis and watching minis, I've never seen any devastating incidents with a mini stock. Their weight and amount of structure in these cars, plus the lower speeds and mass, actually makes their wrecks less damaging than in any other division. So now that we've established that the division is in fact safe, let's talk about the subtleties that go into the division. Let's say that the limited late models get dissolved, and of course you'll see a few guys move around to different divisions. Maybe a couple get disenfranchised and leave racing, if only temporarily. But let's say the first race you get 15 mini stocks, and it eventually blossoms into 20 after a few races. As it's considered a beginner division, I know Stafford wouldn't pay that much of a purse. Hell, they only pay the street stocks 150 bucks to win, which kind of stinks, but paying the SK Lights 350 is even tougher, so whatever. Uh, let's say they pay the minis 100 bucks to win and like 25 bucks to start. So right off the bat, you're already saving purse money by paying a new division less than the one you just dissolved. Also, the higher amount of people coming into the back gate with these new teams will easily pay their purse and heavily contribute to other divisions' purses. With an established rule set from Thompson & Waterford, you don't really have to put the work into creating a package, just having a tech inspector learn them. But by bringing in the minis to replace the limited late models, you're treating fans to higher car counts and possibly making more money for your racetrack. Honestly, it's a win-win. Even though it will come at a small cost to the limited late model teams, but they still have the equipment, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's not like the 90s when they kicked out the pro stocks, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> let's not bring that up. All right. That's a start subject. Yeah. Don't so anyway, Leo, let's not bring that up. Sorry I brought it up. So while we're talking about Stafford, I'm going to use the last bit of this rant to complain a bit. Not much, but I want to complain about something that I'm probably totally wrong about, but whatever. Now, the street stock division, which I'm actually in process of converting my car over to run since my New Hampshire Motor Speedway race got canceled, which I'd already converted my car over to. Thank you a lot, COVID. Has a rule where the engine has to be inspected and sealed, and the engines are not allowed to be rebuilt. These are the same basic rules as Thompson, which is where my engine was sealed for. Keep in mind that these GM602 crate engines also come sealed from GM. Now, both tracks share the same basic rules, the same basic philosophy, the same ideas involving engine seals, but the tracks won't allow you to race without their specific seals at their own tracks. This is one of the problems with competing tracks, common sense. When the rules are the same, the philosophy is the same, the engines are the same, the ideas are the same, why should I have to waste my time and money to have my engine sealed per track? But playing devil's advocate, I know why the tracks are doing it. And I know I'm probably going to have to do it to my engine. I just can't help myself but to complain about stuff that I find to be outside the realm of common sense. That's all. So that earns my rant for this week. Impossible. God, that is just, hmm, classic her. So, yeah, I'm just really glad that Stafford's back. And I've, I've, already, uh, I've already made it clear that I'm going to, to attempt to be there. I got word that my fuel cell probably won't be ready until August, which is fine because I was kind of shooting for later this year, not immediately, because I got a lot to do and I don't want to rush. And to be fair, if I'm only going to race like once or twice, I don't want to do it in like 95 degree weather. Sorry, but I'm not. This is an off year anyway. This is, <laughs> this, is the year, if this, this is the year of the dumpster fire. So it yeah. doesn't really matter if we take a year off because it's done for you. I was taking it off anyway, which is hilarious that this stuff all happened this year because I was like, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to take it off anyway, whatever. And then this thing hit, and I'm like, hmm, decision made already. So <laughs> just kind of weird how it worked out that way. I live in a car. Anyway. Last night, uh, I hear the six. I'm married. That doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> all right. Why don't we move into more local racing rumors and news in lap number two? Precious and few are the moments we two can share. Oh, God. You know, I really can't stand this touchy feely music anymore, dude. I'm starting to go nuts. Much better. <laughs> well, welcome to lab number three. No, lab number two. God, I can't even keep my shit straight. Lab number two, right? Yes. My rant went so long, I can't even remember what lap. Wow. What do you got? Like I said, I, I'm not used to my rants going long enough to I actually forget what lap I'm on. That's hilarious. Anyway, so local racing rumors and breaking news at this point um so i believe we talked about thompson speedway in my rant last week was that about thompson speedway where yeah, I that said was one of them I, it was one of my rants Basically, i've contained my rage for as long as possible but i shall unleash my fury upon you like the crashing of a thousand waves that's what i did last week right yeah basically i said something about um, the race or the track ownership, let's say, and how they didn't care enough to run the oval track program. Well, literally breaking news hours or like two hours less, uh, two hours before we went on air to, well, on air, but recording this podcast, the news came out through Race Day CT that Thompson Speedway was going to lease the racetrack out to a newly formed group called Econ Motorsports, and obviously it's headed up by Terry Ames, uh, who was the, was, and I believe that's a was, the general manager at Thompson. I believe that title has been uh, taken because of COVID. And um, so now he runs this, that's, that's what I gathered, 
that his title was was uh, taken. But if he runs this, he'll still probably be the general manager. So I don't. No, think because I believe that he's changed. just no, because I believe he's only going to run the oval track. By the looks of it, I don't think he's going to have anything to do with the road course by this. By the looks, well, that's of, speculation. But this let's is go all on speculation the because there is absolutely nothing out about anything of the specifics. But again, um, it's again. This is just literally. This is just confirmation of everything that I ranted about last confirmation week. Confirmation bias. Yes, this is confirmation of every single thing I ranted about last week. So. <laughs> Um, obviously this didn't happen because of my rant. We don't have that much pull, but it does show how much, um, the common racer with enough ties does know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes. So it remains to be seen what kind of deal they can reach to run the track for next season. But I know Terry has had ambitious ideas that he's voiced before, so we'll see what happens. Well, r- yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so what's the story? What's the what's the okay, thumbnail so they, on this? They thing? got so far. They've they've locked down two events: yeah. uh, the Bud One Hundred and Fifty and the World Series. The Icebreaker got canceled outright. Um, they've also ironed out two practice dates before uh, August. I believe one will be in July. One will be in August before the One Hundred and Fifty. Okay. Um, so these are all set and set right now. Uh, you can get all the dates uh, probably from Thompson Speedway, or you can go check out their new page for this uh, promotional group, I guess you can call it. I believe it's E-C-O-N-N, econmotorsports.com. They have a new site up. They've got some dates on there. Um, so you know what's funny is before that kicked off, um, our, re- our resident rumor mill, Phil, Sent me a text and said, hey, I got a couple rumors for you. I'm hearing rumors that Thompson is shopping around for someone to lease the oval track. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And then later today they announced <laughs> that they're leasing out the oval track. I'm like, okay, well, that turned out to be true. So Phil is a trusted source. And this source also told me that there's rumors, again, not founded yet. I don't have any proof that... Uh, the Waterford Speed Bowl is for sale for a hefty price tag of $10 million. Um, but from what I hear from land management experts and uh, the town, people familiar with the town and what their regulations are, I don't believe they could actually develop the whole property. So it would have to literally maintain it as a racetrack if it was ever going to make money as a property again because of yeah. Because of the wetland situation, and that came from somebody who is very um, well-known in the real estate uh, business. So, again, these are all trusted sources. So, um, I don't think they're going to get that much money for that track. But, again, let's see what happens. Uh, I don't. Again, 10 mil is a huge amount of money for a track. Hey, demand just skyrocketed, okay? You saw it. <laughs> no, but... Here's the thing. Um, the track, I think, is only assessed at three. So it's like, oh. I know those grandstands didn't cost you. F- the grandstands and the walls probably didn't cost you $8 million, buddy, or $7 million. I'm not good at math. But I don't, mm. <laughs> you know, just a big price tag. I guess he's got a lot of legal fees. But anyway, I have not heard when Seekonk is going to be going to racing. I know they're working on it. I know they are. I know they're going to be coming up soon with practice dates. Uh, I know Massachusetts is a little different than Connecticut right now, and they're working yeah, on it. I think it, so. Hudson's starting to get going pretty soon, too. Massachusetts uh, laws, too. Hudson's so New Hampshire, though. I thought it was in Mass. No, um, Seekonk is the only racetrack left in Massachusetts. Edit that out. <laughs> no, it's easy to... And what's funny is Seekonk is so close to Rhode Island, it's almost not even in Massachusetts, either. <laughs> so... But no, I know they're working on it. Um, Hudson, yeah, they're in New Hampshire. New Hampshire's got different laws, and I know New Hampshire tracks have been coming back. And uh, so I think there is a Wayland Modified Tour race coming up. Is it this weekend at White Mountain Motorsports Park? Because I know that they've been moving the... They've been, like I said, NASCAR's been desperate. They've been moving all sorts of dates around for uh, local touring series and and NASCAR Cup series. And it's just been... They've been... Going and flying by the seat of their pants on all this stuff. And I know that, I don't think that, uh, I don't really know if the tour's ever been to White Mountain, to be honest. But 
I know that a couple cars are testing there, and I know that they announced that there's going to be a race there, so we'll see. I've also heard that uh, Riverhead might be coming back soon as well. So, again, we're all just patiently waiting. I know that uh, some of these tracks are actually working with their local municipalities and towns and states and and governments, and they're actually trying to extend their racing uh, instead of October, they're trying to run it to like the end of November. Like they're trying to push it back. I think Riverhead's trying to do that, and I think they might have got approved. Uh, so, you know, if they, if you can't race in the spring, race in the fall. Let's just get some racing in. I think Stafford's on par to run um, 15, 15, at least 15 races this year. Well, they just released their updated schedule today. Too, oh, yeah, that's right. They're going to run... Um, they're going to run a few Saturday shows for the open modified shows, but they're going to include the street stocks and SK lights. Uh, but I don't, I don't believe they're going to be points races. So if there's anybody looking to go run uh, part-time, those are probably the ones to do it because you're going to get paid, but you're not going to get points. So just go race. Yeah, Negro, that's all you had to say. Like I said, I'm probably not going to be able to race until like August, but whatever. I don't until probably after August because I still got to build a lot of stuff. <laughs> Shut the I know. You could do it. Oh, no, I know, but I got to wait for my parts to show up. So, again, I can't rush fuel safe to build my fuel cell faster. So, <laughs> whatever. So, I think that's pretty much all I got for local news right now. Uh, again, we're waiting on everybody to come. Uh, and if anybody's interested in watching Stafford, go to staffordspeedway.tv. Uh, the stream is good. Hopefully, you got good internet. It's it's the same as a, a cost of a ticket to get into the place. It's 20 bucks to go there, and it's 20 bucks to watch it on TV at your house. So, I mean, and they also said that uh, they're putting 25% of the proceeds to the drivers. And I know it's 25, and you think, oh, why didn't they put 50? It's like, well, they got to pay to put it on as well. So they're they're fronting a lot of the bill. So it's basically after fronting the bill, whatever money is left over, half of it goes to Stafford, half goes to the racers. That's literally what they worked it out to. So, is it a pay increase or is it a? It goes to their point fund. Oh, okay, so it's money going into the point fund. So if you want to watch it on TV, you're helping the racers. So watch it on TV too. If you can't get a ticket, go watch on TV. It'll be perfect. How about Thompson's point fund? Is that money still What's the Thompson? same? <laughs> Ask Terry Eames because he'll have this stuff figured out in a little Asking bit. Asking the fucking questions here. Pro- <laughs> No, the, it's a little early to ask. Um, I know Terry's working, so we'll we'll give him some space. He's already got two iron to back out. They only had a six-race schedule. COVID screwed everything up, and everything's weird. But this might work out better in the long run. Let's see. So I don't have any more news for local stuff. Why don't we move into lap number three? We can recap the Pocono Shit Show. <laughs> the old child, dang me, dang me. They ought to take a rope and hang me High from the highest tree Woman, would you weep for me? Well, this is not the touchy-feely music we had before. This is okay. I can live with this. <laughs> hey, you know, I can live with it. That was better. All right, we're doing better. So for lap number three, we're going to do the weekend Pocono shit show rapid-fire recap because I am really sick of talking. So... From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. But I'm the host. You can host. (laughs) Who the fuck said that? (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. Clean show down the tubes. Anyway, so. Stop laughing. So we had the double header at Pocono, and everybody um, who wasn't familiar with it has to understand that this was actually an idea that they had posed last year for the schedule to have a double header at Pocono Saturday Sunday show. This wasn't COVID related at all, and trying to you know recap races or read make them. Yeah, yeah. This Pocono was, Raceway was all for this idea. Yeah, yeah, and I liked it because um, it kind of did somewhat for a very long time. They always had a June race, and they always had a July race. Yeah, it was usually back to back like months. You know what I mean? And then the Mattiolis would never allow somebody to sponsor the race either. It was always the Pocono and the Pennsylvania 500. That this was, is true. That's that the happened, way he wanted it. That was that happened for a long time. But So they had the Saturday and the Sunday show, but they also incorporated uh, the truck series on Saturday, and they incorporated the Xfinity series on Sunday. So they had, like, headliners. You know what I mean? Or openers for the headliners. You know what I mean? This, yeah, the Vanskoy Diamond Mine 500. Right. But uh, sun, or Saturday didn't work out so well the rains came again i think it's like nine out of 15 races have had a weather delay this year something ridiculous uh so that washed the truck race out 
to Sunday. And they were like, okay, well, they got the track dried off in enough time to get the cup race out. Uh, I don't remember that being too um, destructive in nature, but I do remember it being pretty strategic. The I know they took the mileage down on the races. I believe the first one was 325 miles. The second one was 350 miles. Trust me, that worked for me because a 500-mile race at Pocono is like watching the Coke 600, man. That shit does not end, um, especially when you're running like it, one. It's an endurance race. Oh, I know. I know it's an endurance race, but, you know, like I said, the it's just a long race, especially when they string them out. You're just sitting there eating popcorn going like, yep, car's going fast. <laughs> But I know everybody wants action. Sometimes you ain't going to get action. Sometimes it's got to be organic, and we saw that both days. Um, so anyway, uh, Kevin Harvick won on Saturday. Uh, Ryan Priest finished uh, 20th, so he got the pole for Sunday, which didn't last because he changed an engine, and they had to start from the back. So technically he got the pole, but didn't. I win. I win. <laughs> Sunday. Oh, boy. My first Sunday's... For those who don't know, Sundays are my Saturdays. It's my first weekend day of the week, basically, um, because I worked Tuesday through Saturdays. So for me to wake up on Sunday and have racing all day, it's like, good, I can sweep this off on Monday. Perfect. I'll have a nice long day of racing. I'll enjoy it. Woke up at 7 a.m., got ready, grabbed a big cup of caffeinated tea, sat down in front of my couch, and watched the truck race roll off at 9.30. Oh, boy. Uh, again, I call this the Sunday shit show because there were 18 combined cautions between the truck and X- I, yeah, truck and Xfinity race. Because there was nine each. They both broke a record for each division for cautions at Pocono. <laughs> they both did. I think they both had a first lap wreck. I never thought that Pocono would ever be like a freaking Martinsville. Oh, I don't know what was going on. That that track is really wide. I mean, why are you, <laughs> why are they wrecking each other? Anyway, um, I know it's tricky, but goddamn. Um, anyway, Cup Series wasn't much better. They had eight cautions on Sunday and barely finished before dark at eight forty-five. So anyway, big wrecks all day. Big wrecks. I mean, it was nonstop racing, but it was also because it was nonstop wrecking. It was like 9.30 a.m. to 8.45 at night with a break in between the races to load pit boxes. That was it. But like I said, truck winner was Brandon Jones, and then I think he came out for the Xfinity race and got uh, wrecked on lap one. So he had a good and then really bad day within a span of an hour. Don't, don't! Yep. The Xfinity race... uh, that was really good. That came down right to the end. Chase Briscoe, fourth win of the year. Ross Chastain won another hundred grand. Good for him. I think he finished second. Uh, all the other guys in the Dash for Cash got wrecked except for Alex LeBay, and even he broke something after he spun and hit his nose on the inside wall, but he still finished like 20th. Um, and the Cup's second race on Sunday... I believe it was delayed right off the bat by a lightning strike early on. So I was like, oh, this would be good. And then another eight cautions in that race. But that one was won by Denny Hamlin. Uh, It was, you know, like I said, I don't tune in for the wrecks, but they are exciting. Um, I also tune in for strategy. I love differing strategies. I love watching the ebb and flow of races. And Pocono offered all of that. I love that racetrack. Uh, I know a lot of people will sit there and scream, hey, we shouldn't race here anymore. It's too dangerous. It's like, shut the hell up. Just sit back in your little chair and watch racing and enjoy it, okay? Do you want to dip a size your milk for a quarter more? Want me to punch a size your face for free? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what I want to do to every single person on the internet who complains about absolutely everything. It's not up to you to decide things. It's up to you to shut up and watch it like a good little viewer. That's up to our job. Yes, that's us. Because we have a microphone. Right. We have a microphone, therefore we have influence. Now, be quiet. You had best square your ass away and start shitting me Tiffany Cufflinks, or I will definitely fuck you up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that was our rapid-fire round for Pocono. I am all set on talking for the rest of the day. I think we should wrap this thing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah anything well, to add? I mean, you got an, you got an opinion too. I might as well throw you well, to the floor. Well, 
I don't know. Was was there any uh, controversy between teammates or anything that went on? You know, like uh, anybody sent to the trailer? You know? Oh, for fuck's sake! You're the righteous man, and I'm the shepherd. Uh, None of that I shit. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, in the Xfinity race. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell is that kid's name? And what the hell is that other kid's name? It was the 11 and the 18. Okay, so it was Riley Herbst in the 18. And it was... Okay, we did some research and it was Justin Haley because my brain doesn't work. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. So, okay, here's the situation. Get the fuck out of my face with that shit. So, here's the situation. Riley Herbst comes out of turn three. And uh, I think he gets a little bit into the corner of Justin Haley. Right? A little sideways, maybe. He took just some touched of him. The I mean, he, yeah, he touched him a little bit. He, he wiggled him. He wiggled him. So what does Haley do? Hooks bit. him. Hooks him. What do you mean? I'm like, holy crap! I mean, the the guy just—they don't even have a history. I could see. Here's the thing. I could see. If there's a racer with a really long history, like two racers with a really long history of getting into each other or hard racing or knocking each other out of the way, and someone finally snaps and puts somebody in the wall, right? I can see that, and and that takes a lot of time and effort. But when somebody with no history touches you and you hook them, I don't see that. I mean, I think that's called overkill. That is you know, overkill. And it's it's overreacting, and it's a really bad part of racing, especially, you know, when there's a lot of money in these cars, and you just can't, you know, you you can't just settle it that way. And then the kid has the balls to come over the radio and say, "What are they holding me two laps for?" And it's like, "I am untethered, and my rage knows no bounds." I think that's actually the recording from his heads his headset. Um, but I'm like, are you seriously asking us that? Like, how dumb do you think we are? Like, that News we... flash, asshole! You think we couldn't see that? Reason will prevail! Reason will prevail! Reason will prevail! Yeah, NASCAR definitely told them, you're coming to the trailer to have a nice long chat with us because of that was stupid. Again, I've made my position pretty clear on that. But yeah, that it, was dumb. There's just no need for it. It, it takes away from, It's a That is... That is actions detrimental to the sport of auto racing my yeah, most hated Jesse term. you know what they should do to Justin Haley they should put him on anger management oh yeah they should send him to anger management training thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank Jesse you, did you actually go to anger management training when you were mandated to go to that nope <laughs> nope I've nope. already asked you that question get out of here now so all right. Um, also, I know that uh, Ryan Blaney got into Kyle Busch and turned him around. I don't really know the situation behind that. I think Kyle was trying to get around a lap car and got slowed up real bad through the tunnel, and Blaney didn't woe up in time and just got into him. I think it was just a racing deal. I don't think Blaney's out there to take people out, especially when they're not taking him out. He's a lot more level-headed than that. I it think was it just was a racing deal. I honestly but... think it was. It was just really unfortunate. I mean, it I happens. I love They still love him, though. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've, I try to be fair, and if I saw Kyle Busch do it, I'd probably be like, well, that lap car really slowed the guy down. But I saw it happen to a couple other people, too, so it's like, well, I mean, it is what it is. Don't care. I just like it when, you know, <laughs> when his when his uh, hard candy shell melts and melts down. You know, you know what's funny? And the soft inner side is exposed. We've talked about it before, but I think the lack of practice kind of hurts that team. But they usually can fix it during a run, uh, during a race. But I think the lack of practice hurts that team. I think their runs have been a lot less stellar than normal with the no practice. But anyway. Go and kiss your mother's behind. So, any more? You think I'm funny, huh? You think I'm funny? Any more? Yeah. I, I com- over. I completely missed those topics, but I think they were worth talking about. So thank you, Jess. All right. Now I'm done. So let's wrap this Don't thing fucking up. scream at me. Oh, good idea, boss. So that's our show for this week. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening. If you could do us a favor and send us feedback on this thing so we can make it better and gain more listeners, or even share it with your friends or tell people about it word of mouth, that would be awesome. I mean, we go, we do put some effort into this, and I know we're not perfect at it, but damn it, we try. 
You done? Yes. So you can find the show on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. We're available on literally every major podcast platform. Just go search for Making Laps Podcast. You can go to uh, www.gleasonbrosracing.com if you need some help, maybe some links to those uh, major platforms. We have some listed there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at BrentGleason01, Twitter at BrentGleason01. If you find me on Facebook, like I said, don't friend me because if I don't know you, I'm not going to friend you. So <laughs> it's just my personal page. But you can find, make, like I said, Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. Go there. <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, I know Jesse doesn't have any Facebook, so don't don't bother. Where's our goddamn Bible? So, thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate it. Again, do what you can to rate, like, subscribe, share the show, help us out here. Even I don't care if you even suggest topics or even like want to come on the show and chat. Feel free. Send me a message. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening. Keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. Thanks. Bullshit! I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs>